Daniel Jones and the Giants offense has a chance to score some points Sunday in Dallas. They should be licking their chops when they go up against this putrid Cowboys defense. Can Big Blue finally get its first victory of the season and make things more interesting in an ugly NFC East? Also, black and blue edition of Tyne's Time. We also are excited to chat with the Giants leading tackler and captain in his first season with Big Blue. It's linebacker Blake Martinez. Sit back, relax, turn up the volume. It's time for Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Two episodes come at you every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review if you do use Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support. Joining Blue Rush today is a captain in his first year with the Giants. He's the anchor of that big blue defense. It's linebacker. Blake Martinez, your host of Blue Rush, our longtime Giants beat writer for the Post, Paul Schwartz, and two-time Super Bowl champion kicker for the Giants, Lawrence Tynes. Make sure you follow the guys on Twitter, at NYPost underscore Schwartz, and at LT4Kicks, where you'll see LT stirring the pot on some Odell Beckham Jr. craziness. Tynesy, Paulie, take it away, guys. Paul, the Giants are going to Jerry's world to face the worst defense in the league. This could be our week. Some people might say it's like rubbish, right? The division could be like rubbish. The, de- the division is absolute rubbish. Ah, yes. Lawrence Tyne's mother rears her head again with rubbish. Love um, yes, I remember, you know, every one of my fond memories of Tom Coffin for his 12 years. Every week when there was a game in the NFC East, he would start his Wednesday press conference and he'd get up there. You know Tom Coughlin, right? He'd be yep. straight straight as an arrow, shoulders back, looking straight ahead, and he'd say, in the division. And then he would go on and talk about the Eagles or the Washington team, which used to be called the Redskins, yep. or the Cowboys, in the division. And those three words, Lawrence, are almost kind of like snap you into attention, right? In the division. What did that mean to a player? In the division. Well, two games. I mean, one is two, right? You win a game there, you... It feels like two. And Tom was the same way with us. I, I think he did it for you guys a couple times. It kind of made the, the waves on social media. He would do jumping jacks. Yep. Whenever he yep. came in to a team meeting on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we were in, he's introducing the team and, the, and, and an opponent, and it was in the division, you were going to get some jumping jacks out of TC, which you know everybody loved. It set the tone for the week, whether it was Dallas or Philly or or Washington. So you know what this means. You know what's at stake. And then obviously there's an opportunity in front of you here for this Giants football team to to see what they can do. I mean, they're not out of it. Obviously they haven't played well, but um, there's an opportunity here to go kind of, you know, beat up on a wounded defense, but we'll see what happens. Every um, every Cowboy game, bunch of writers, or maybe just me, we go to Justin Tuck's locker. And one point very early in his career, Justin Tuck said, I hate the Cowboys. Boy, that was like, that was gold, right? So you take it, the first quote of my story that day, Justin Tuck said he hates the Cowboys. You say, hate? Yeah, I hate them. So then every subsequent game when they played the Cowboys, I just kind of check in with Justin and say, Justin, uh, just checking. You still hate the Cowboys? He said, yeah, still hate it. 
still hate him. You can still yeah. use it. What is there, Lawrence, about the Cowboys, right? There, there's teams, you know, you were with the Chiefs. You had robberies. There's something about the Cowboys, right? There is. It's There's there's an arrogance about that franchise, and it starts with their owner, um, who I think is awesome for the league. Listen, I like Jerry Jones. I like kind of what he brings to the table and how out, outspoken he is. And But there's just an arrogance about the Cowboys. You know, everyone in Texas thinks they're bigger and better, like they invented football, and they've got this grand old stadium. And, you know, you go down there, and I actually scored the first points in that stadium, by the way, uh, just throwing that out there. And – I loved playing there. We loved beating them. I felt like in my six, five times playing there, I think we won four of them, four, maybe all of them. We didn't lose very much down there. I know that's changed recently, but it's just an arrogance thing. You know, the whole division, there's a pretty good rivalry, but certainly the Cowboys are at the top. Now you had the first points in beautiful, and it's a magnificent building, right? Yeah, I mean, it is beautiful. a AT&T stadium is just outrageously good. I remember my first time there. That scoreboard, that the uh, the video screens on top there are so big. I'm there watching the game live, but you can't not watch that big screen. And I remember the first time I was there and you have the Dallas, the famous Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders who were down on the field performing, wearing very little, obviously, right? And they show them on that massive, massive screen. <laughs> and I'm looking at it and at one point, I felt a little uncomfortable. I'm like, I can't be staring at the screen at these Dallas Cowboy <laughs> cheerleaders. It almost was like too intimate. That's how big that freaking thing is. It is right? definitely I'm a bizarre thing because what you'll see, even if you watch the game this Sunday, is the game is right in front of the, the players on the sideline, but nobody's looking on the field. They just look straight up. I mean, I'm guilty as charged. Like when you are on the sideline at the Cowboy Stadium as a player, you look directly up for whatever reason. I don't know why when you could just as easily look on the field. It's just a better picture. You can see everything. It's a pretty cool place for sure. It's uh, I always told people when you get into the stadium, you drive and you drive for literally like three minutes underneath this massive building. And then you get to your locker room. I mean, the bus is literally driving underneath that stadium for about two or three minutes. And then you park and you go to the locker room. But it's it's a magnificent place. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed obviously playing there. And it's even better when you win. It's a magnificent place. And, and this Sunday, it will be a semi-occupied place. There'll be about 20. 20,000 fans there. So this is the first game all season the Giants will play in front of fans. The two in MetLife Stadium, completely empty. In Chicago, in L.A. against the Rams, completely empty. So Mike McCarthy said, well, it really doesn't give us an advantage, the Cowboys coach, because it's only 20,000. I think that's a lot of bull. I think it does give them an advantage. Talk about hostile fans. Uh, is 20,000 enough to make it hostile? Uh, did you like hostile fans? You know, in Kansas City, you played against guys hostile, uh, you know, visiting road games. It's different, isn't it? 20, yeah, it's different. It, and it's definitely helps you at home and obviously affects you on the road. But there is some, there's something you like as a player going on the road and playing against a hostile crowd. The fact If you have a good team, if you have a good yeah, team. if you have a good football team, but... <laughs> You know, listen, I think the players will enjoy playing in front of some people. But to answer your first question, I don't think 20,000 people in that stadium is going to make a ton of noise. Now, Jerry may keep everything closed up, which is probably be the best idea to keep everything closed so the noise stays in there. But I don't think 20,000 people is really going to affect you one way or the other. You may have to get a little closer in the huddle. But at the same time, it's it's such a big, vast piece of property that 20,000 people is not going to make much of a difference. Now, Lawrence, the Giants defense has played well, right? They played well enough to win last week. No question. 17 points in an NFL game should get you, should win 90% of the time. Yep. They now face the DAC attack, right? This, yeah. you, do you see the numbers that this, this quarterback is putting up? Eye popping. 509 yards a game per offense. I mean, whoo, 31 points. They're, they're going to have now, 
They're one in three. They're one in three. I think he's mm-hmm. the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for at least 450 yards, three consecutive games. Now that's good. And that's bad. Jameis Winston is the first guy to do it twice. And we know Jameis Winston, you get down, you throw a lot. So, you know, the Cowboys are one in three. We can't forget that. How does this Giants defense match up? You know, there's, there's a lot of guys here. They have, Ooh. you know, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. Uh, oh, by the way, Ezekiel Elliott, one of the two or three best running backs yeah. in the league. Dak is, is uh, I'd like to be, other than being your podcast partner, okay, that's my number one goal in life. That's number great. two would be <laughs> Dak Prescott's agent, okay? I wouldn't mind being yeah. his agent. Yeah. So well, uh, how, how do they match up here? Well, I'm just glad Blake Jarwin's not playing. He kills us. Uh, but Touchdown Jarwin. He's yes. six career touchdowns, five against the Giants. He won't be there Sunday. Uh, Gallup's their big play guy, but I, I think that the, the plan will be you are going to give up yardage to this football team. I think it's just a fact. I, you're not going to shut this football team down. No one has. Now, can you – you know, the Rams had an explosive offense. We were able to come up with a plan to, to slow them down. I think you just really got to focus on the red zone, hold them to field goals, try and buckle up down there. I mean, with Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak, I think you play the bend but don't break defense because you don't want to blitz a whole lot. You're going to get burned. Um, you know, obviously Dak can move well in the pocket as well. He can run. So uh, I think that's that would be the plan. I'm just guessing here. But bend but don't break and see if we can score. Listen, that's the other part of the equation. We're averaging the worst in the league. So we got to get that fixed. I got three numbers for you, okay? I'm going to give them to you. Tell me what they mean. Okay. All right? I think you'll know what they mean. 39, 38, 49. What do those three numbers sequentially mean? Ooh, you've stumped me. They Uh are number of points the Cowboys have given up on defense the last three games. Okay. Okay? I mean, that is 38, 39, 38, 49. So you have the movable force, right? Not the immovable force versus the non-movable object. In my history, when I have covered the Giants and they're struggling on offense and they're going to play a bad defense and we say, okay, this is the week that they get better. Often it does not happen. It has to happen this week, doesn't it? It has to. It has to because they're going up against a a pretty poor defense that's like, to your point, has given up a ton of points. You know, I was looking at number, Demarcus Lawrence, no sacks. Demarcus Lawrence, one tackle for loss. Alden Smith is back in the league playing good football. But outside of that, this team is a mess. I saw a comment today by Xavier Woods said, it's impossible to go full speed every play. Are you kidding me? I would eat that up if I was an offensive coordinator. I'd post that on the board tomorrow at practice. Xavier Woods, safety for the Cowboys, said, it's impossible to go full speed for 70 plays. Well, here's your opportunity, Giants. If you want to have a a coming out party, it has to be Sunday. They have to produce. They have to score more than 20 points to win this football game, more than 30 probably. So let's see what they're made of. I think, you know, Jason Garrett, guys are going to want to play hard for him. He's coming back to Dallas. I think guys will get amped up for that. I don't know if everyone buys into it all the time, but I think it, guys will play for Jason Garrett. He is a New York Giant now, so they'll they'll want to win this game for for him just as much as they will their teammates. So we'll we'll see what happens this weekend, but they need to score. They're going to have to score. I mean, this this offense, this Dallas offense is going to score points. A wise co-host of mine named Lawrence Tynes once said earlier in the season on this podcast, sometimes when you see a player get big money, it's very interesting to watch how he plays. I don't know if this is true or not, but you mentioned Demarcus Lawrence, zero sacks, yep. 100, $105 million, right? So yep. uh, zero versus $105 million. Uh, 
there might be something there. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jason Garrett. Logan Ryan, the safety, said this week, the Giants' safety said, I'll be talking to Jason more than usual. He said, I have to ask a couple of questions and figure out, figure out how to slow up this Cowboys offense. I have my work cut out for me. Any hint or tip I can get, I'll take it and see if it applies. I definitely will be asking him. I'll buy him some lunch this week. Maybe dinner, because we'll be staying late. How much can Jason Garrett, in your history in football, have you ever seen this payoff where you have a coach on your staff who is from the other team and can give you great intel and it can pay off on the field on Sunday? I think more importantly, what coaches that that have intimate knowledge of another roster is, is what they're good at and what they're not good at. Um, the X's and O's part is on film. Mike McCarthy's got his own offense. Kellen Moore is calling the plays. But I think the the thing that coaches can give you is what does this player struggle with? Is it you lining up on an inside technique? Is it you jamming him at the line? Does he have trouble getting off the line of scrimmage? I think that's very helpful because we don't always know a player's weaknesses, uh, but these coaches for sure do, especially Jason Garrett with this roster. So he'll be able to give you know Blake and the rest of the guys on defense and Logan and, the, and, and all the all the things that they're probably not good at, and then you just start attacking weaknesses, especially on that offensive line. And now Jason Garrett, I'm sure, haven't spoke to him yet this week, is going to downplay this because that's what Dave, Jason Garrett has been. Yep. He will downplay it, right? But in his heart and in his head, what is he thinking going into this game and what would a win mean to him? I mean, they don't say it, no. but we know it, right? We know. Yeah, it. he's such a classy man. He He's not going to say anything that bulletin board material this week. I mean, the Jones family was good to him. He probably got a few more years than he probably deserved, to be honest. But a, a win for him would mean a lot. I mean, it's it's professional pride. These coaches all have pride. We all have egos. For him to go in there and, you know, hopefully score 25, 30 points and beat his old team would be huge. I think it'd be a great thing for him. Well, I have a sneaking suspicion that if the Giants get their first win and, and it's in AT&T Stadium this Sunday, that number one, Joe Judge with his first victory ever as a head coach will get a game ball. I suspect that Jason Garrett, they'll find another game ball for Jason Garrett, won't they? You bet. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun if they they just got to score points. Listen, if they're like we've said it all along, this is the opportunity for your offense to have a coming out party. And it has to be this week. We can't wait till next week. This is the, this is the week. They got to score points. We mentioned um, Dak Prescott, young quarterback who's looking to cash in. Daniel Jones is quite uh, obviously not there yet as far as contract. It's only his second year. That's a long way off. But uh, this is the segment that um, Lawrence Tynes is a big Daniel Jones backer. I know that. Uh, stats be damned. The record be damned. Yep. Whatever else be damned. Uh, uh, he said, I asked him this week that when are you not a young quarterback? You know, you're young. You're 23. You've had 16 starts. But when in your head do you say, look, I'm not a young quarterback anymore? And he said, I realize this is my second year and I have a lot to learn. But I don't think you ever use that as an excuse. I'm expected to play well, and I understand. I'm expected to understand what we're trying to do and execute it. So I do not see as an, as an excuse. I will not use it as an excuse. You like that, first of all. You like you like love, that sentiment. I'm sure. Love yeah. his answer. I mean, he. What else can he say? He he realizes he's a young player, but he can't use that as as an excuse. Uh, but if they do not score points this week, I think some of the excuse makers. I'm not saying you're an excuse maker. You're a guy who, who who's who's pumped up by Daniel Jones. I yeah. get that, and and you see the good in him. You see the good in all people, don't you, Lawrence? You I see do. the good in you I see do. the good in I everybody. I want them to yeah. all have success if they're wearing a New York helmet. I understand. Um, he has to score points against this this. Look, if they lose 38-28, 
you can say, okay, the defense got whitewashed, but you know, the offense scored some points. Um, he's got to put up points against this Cowboy yeah. defense. Everybody has, everybody has, you know, if you think about it, there's so much pressure on Garrett returning and Jones with this expectation of this defense is horrible. They give up 31, 32 points a game. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of pressure on both these guys uh, this week. And so we'll see how they handle it. Well, the pressure is the name of the game. Oh, and four, the pressure only gets more and more. Um, I don't know. I don't, I look at this and I just, you know what? I had a couple of things. I don't think the Dallas, the Dallas defense is bad, but they are going to summon up. They've heard how crappy they are for weeks and weeks. Now they just gave up what 49 to the Browns. Odell Beckham danced all over them. They're going to summon up within themselves to have a better game. I think the giants can get to 20. I don't think they can hold the Cowboys to 20. I'm thinking like 34, 20 Cowboys and Daniel Jones does not sign his name on the locker room <laughs> in AT&T like your buddy Eli Manning did, which was one of the, the great boss moves in Eli Manning's career. It was very unlike him, but it was such a boss move. We're still talking about it today. I saw a nice tweet about it yesterday. Um, I'm going to go Cowboys. and I'm going to get on your train of thought. Until they win a game, I can't pick, pick them to win. 30-20. They play better, but this offense seems like a, a tough task for me. And guys, I'm going to go 34-24 Cowboys, so we're all taking the Cowboys Ooh. as the Giants okay. will fall to 0-5. All right, here goes Times again from 47 yards to kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good. Kick on its way. And does it have the distance it is? Good! Lawrence Tynes has kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl after missing at the end of regulation and Tynes runs into the tunnel to our right and the New York Giants are going to Super Bowl 42 in overtime. They beat the Packers 23-20. Low snap. The kick is good. And the Giants are going back to the Super Bowl. And that was Bob Papa of Giants Radio and Joe Buck of Fox Sports on the calls as Lawrence Tynes kicked the Giants to Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46. Those calls from the NFC Championship games in 2008 in Green Bay and 2012 in San Francisco. And it's now time for this edition of Tynes Time, where Lawrence Tynes tells a story from his playing days. Take it away, LT. We're going to call this edition of Tynes Time Black and Blue. 2008, after the NFC Championship game, a lot of people remember the kick, and rightfully so, but what they didn't know is probably that I almost missed the Super Bowl. As I got to the locker room, I peel my sock off, and boom, an instant baseball-sized lump forms right just a, right below my ankle, right into my foot. I remember hitting a kickoff in the third quarter pretty high up on my foot and saying, ouch, that hurt. And then obviously, you know, you play the game, you go through the motions and you get done. So immediately I went to the trainer and uh, Ronnie Barnes said, oh, wow, you know, I've never seen anything like this. And so they were questioning whether I was going to be allowed to fly home because of the pressure in the airplane on my foot. So ultimately, they let me fly home with the team. Literally, when we landed, I immediately went and got my foot drained. I don't know how many cc's it was, but add in the fact that I threw up all night at home after that. So it was kind of a rough feeling. But then getting into the week of the Super Bowl, I didn't know if I was going to play. 
And so for me, you know, thinking about making that kick to get us there and not playing in the Super Bowl would have been a, a pretty bad deal. But ultimately, I did play in the Super Bowl. My foot did swell up again, and it took me about six to eight weeks after the Super Bowl to get all of the swelling out of my foot. So interesting little story there. I'm glad uh, I was able to play in the Super Bowl, but um, it was uh, definitely a scary time for me thinking about missing the Super Bowl. Joining Blue Rush next is a Stanford grad where he once intercepted Jared Goff on back-to-back passes. Take that, number one pick. He played his first four seasons of the NFL with the Packers where he was the NFL's co-tackling leader in 2017. He signed a cozy three-year, $30 million deal this past offseason to join the Giants. Let me hold the dollar, bro. Uh, In his first season with Big Blue, he's already a team captain. The dude is a tackling machine. He's got a stupid 555 combined tackles in just over four NFL seasons, and he's got a team leading 43 of them and two sacks in four games so far this season. It is number 50, Blake Martinez. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Big double underscore Blake 50 and Instagram at Blake one underscore Martinez 50. And on his Instagram, you'll see plenty of pictures of his beautiful family, adorable daughter, Blake, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. Uh, Thanks for coming on blue rush. I'm going to need some oxygen now. (laughs) Thanks for that. uh, Awesome intro. Yeah, man. We're, uh, you know, the giants fans are very happy to have you here. Obviously you are a guy that just gets after it. You make tackles. You just, I mean, you're averaging just a ridiculous amount of tackles a year. And, um, you come to New York, man. And the first year you get here, we get a pandemic. You can't hit one Broadway show. You can't catch a Met game, a Yankee game. It's had to be kind of a weird transition coming to the giants. Well, yeah, it's been a, been a strange time across the board. Um, obviously you plan your free agency as, oh, okay, I'm going to sign with this team. I got to do the whole kind of feel where you fly out do your physical take a picture with your contract do the whole thing but instead COVID happened didn't really get to see the facility until we finally got here in August and then across the board just took a picture at my house made a phone call and they said congratulations it wasn't as great or hyped up um, as it normally would have been but overall obviously happy to be here Hey, Blake, it's Paul Schwartz. Thanks for uh, coming on. Um, I've been covering the Giants since pretty much when you were born. So uh, I, I this is the first time I've ever had to acclimate to new players through Zoom and conference calls and not actually look them in the eye and see them in the locker room. So it's a it's an adjustment for everybody, obviously. And, um, you know, when, when I when I think of you, very rarely, I don't know if ever, a guy in his first year, I'm thinking of all the years I've covered the team, a guy in his first year comes in and is an elected a team captain. Now, people might not know, Joe Judge, the head coach, he names his leadership council. That's guys who he wants on the team. But the team captains, he says, no, 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 the players, you elect them yourselves. So what did it mean to you? And were you surprised that these new players, many of whom you've never known before, most you've never played with, and they choose to elect you as one of the team captains? Yeah, it was, uh, it was an awesome moment for me. Um, it's something that I've always kind of pride myself on as being that guy that can um, be the guy that younger guys or guys on the team can look to to know, hey, this is how things should be done. Um, so I think, yeah, it was, a, I think, a really cool moment, obviously only being able to be with the team for, I think, four weeks until, or by the time we um, voted for that. Obviously, we had Zoom meetings and all those types of things, but at least four weeks in person. Um, but so, yeah, it was a, it was a cool moment. Um, and it's something that 
I will cherish um, for the rest of my life to be able to be on a team like this and be um, one of those key leaders um, that the team wanted to have and key voices that the team wanted to have for this year. Like, what does it mean, though, to be – people say he's a team captain. What does that mean? I mean, you, you're not in Joe Judge's office every day or every week, but what what, what does the responsibility mean? Um, and, and, you know, are you the are you really the voice of, of your teammates in a lot of ways? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it means tremendous uh, amount of, I guess, respect and a tremendous amount of, I guess, I don't know the best word, but like obligation to show up every single day. Um, and you can't have those moments where every single person has a bad day or a, a down day. You need to be that person that they can they can look towards and be like, all right, like I had a crappy day yesterday. Okay, like today I feel bad about it or whatever. But hey, I'm going to look at Blake and he's going after today. He's having fun today, no matter what the situation is. Um, he's he's going at it to, to be better for the next day. And I think that's the biggest component of being that Giants captain. Um, and yeah, I think overall, like you have to be that person, that rock for that team that they can look at you and be like, all right, he's the calming factor um, every single day that I can look towards no matter what situation um, comes up. Blake, this is LT, the kicker, not the linebacker. Hey, uh, let's talk <laughs> about straight, this defense. Straight. Let's talk about the strength of this football team, the defense. I mean, I'm kind of wowed because I was thinking four weeks into the season, this is the strongest part of our team. I mean, obviously the offense is struggling. I guess my question is, with such a limited camp, limited reps, no offseason, no OTAs, the way you guys are playing right now, I mean, top 10 in a lot of categories. How are you guys able to come together so quickly with so many new faces in such a limited camp? Yeah, I think, I mean, I always go back to obviously Coach Judge as being one of the key components and Patrick Graham. I think he's one of the smartest, if not the smartest coach I've ever been around. Um, His ability to kind of install the the defense in a way that no matter who's in the room, um, if it's your first time playing football or it's your 20th year in the NFL, um, you're able to sit down and after that conversation's over or after that install's over, you're going to understand it. You're going to know exactly why um, you're in the position in that given call, uh, why other guys are in their position for that given call, um, and you're going to know how everything kind of works together throughout that play. And I think it's just kind of been that week-by-week basis of cleaning up little, uh, I guess, football IQ or understanding certain situations um, that have kind of hurt us throughout those first four weeks. And we're slowly uh, putting all the pieces together across the board. And like you said, we haven't been together for that long. Um, So it's kind of getting those kind of growing pains out of the way. But overall, um, I'd say Pat is pretty much the key component to why we started so fast. Yeah, that's good to hear. And so were you and Kyler a package deal? How'd that work out? You guys just kind (laughs) of. No, yeah, it was was kind of a funny deal. Uh, I think the night or the day before it kind of got announced, like I knew I was signing here for X years, X amount. And then the next day, day, um, all of a sudden I see, oh, Kyler Factor's going to New York. And I was like, yes. This is awesome. Like, obviously, everybody kind of going to a new team worries about, okay, am I going to know certain people um, and kind of that whole ordeal. So it's cool to obviously see I was going to have a familiar face. Blake, you, um, I guess your first three years in Green Bay, you played for Mike McCarthy, right? That was uh, the three years there? Yep, yep. What 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 kind of coach is he? You know, you had a good year. Uh, your first year with him, you went to the um, NFC Championship game. Uh, two not as good years, a lot of injuries, a certain quarterback there didn't play a lot of the, the games. Uh, what, what other Giants 
facing this week as far as a, a coaching matchup with Mike McCarthy. He's in uh, Dallas now, obviously. Uh, their offense is good. Their defense is very bad. Mike's an offensive guy. Um, what what kind of sense do you have from Mike McCarthy as a coach and what he's doing in Dallas right now? Well, yeah, I mean, he was an awesome coach. Um, obviously, he was the first guy to give him an opportunity in the NFL. And I think overall as a coach, he's just kind of a no-nonsense person, um, kind of in a similarity to Coach Judge that, hey, attention to detail, making sure everyone's on the same page, always trying to improve. And I think the year he was out of coaching, um, he went to kind of the analytics side of football um, with, I think, PFF and dove into all of those types of things to make sure he kind of improved and adapt, adapted to the kind of new style of football. So I think that's going to be some new aspect to what I wasn't used to in that realm. So, but yeah, overall, he's a great coach. He's going to make sure everyone's uh, improving and doing what they need to do to make sure the week before um, doesn't hurt him the next week. Blake, how many laps so far have you had to run under Joe Judge? Do you have a, <laughs> you have a lap tally going on? <laughs> Uh, nah, but we, we definitely need to make a lap tally to uh, get the most at the end of the year. But I think I've ran probably, I think, like two or three. That's Ooh. not bad. And yeah, Stanford. majority of them was kind of, it was, yeah, it was kind of like, it was like, I right, like the whole defense has to run whether one guy that messed doesn't up. Count. And, that doesn't count. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, I don't. Then, get, say, no, say, I, then I had one. Then I had one. Then I had one. Are there any lap credits? Can you earn any credits for like good play? <laughs> See, now you're making some good points. I'm going to have to go to him tomorrow and be like, hey, all right, let's see if we, we get, like, a good play. <laughs> I'm just glad the tight end, uh, Blake Jarwin's not playing. That guy has six career touchdowns, five against the Giants. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Hopefully well, if he was playing, ends. we're shutting him down. We're shutting him down. <laughs> well, well, Blake, uh, one, one word of advice I would give to you is with this uh, lap credits, I would suggest as a captain, you probably don't go into Joe Judge tomorrow and bring that up. Okay, that might uh, <laughs> that, you, that, you might that might be the shortest captain in Giant history. Yeah, no, exactly. No. Be like uh, Blake, this guy's captain revoked because yeah, he asked a yeah. stupid question yesterday. Yep. Now you guys will know. Now, Blake, how how uh, much time are you going to spend this week, or have you spent this week? in the office or in the ear of Jason Garrett. I mean, no one knows more about the Cowboys than Jason Garrett. He's now the Giants offensive coordinator. Now it's not the same team over there, but a lot of the same players. He knows that what makes that team tick as a defensive captain, the guy who's got to bark out the signals, tell all his teammates what to do. How much can Jason Garrett help you this week? Yeah, I think that was uh, kind of a key component um, going in this week is obviously getting as much information from whoever um, has been with them personnel wise before. And so I think, yeah, the coaches mainly are the ones that kind of dove into that um, and kind of has been relaying those, that information um, throughout this given week. Blake, your uh, your rating in Madden is very low, and it is very concerning. Oh, yeah, um, get me started. Can, can you talk <laughs> about this? What should your rating be? What do you think? Uh, I think like 99. Um, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> at least in the at least in the 80s. So I actually have a, a buddy that's a Madden rating adjuster, uh, Barry Sanders Jr. That I played with. Oh, sorry, my even your even your daughter's pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah, my exactly. But yeah, and so I, I always message him, and I was like, "How can my rating be lower than guys that have never even played in the NFL before?" So it's been. 
it's been ongoing, just kind of messing with each other back and forth. But yeah, at least in the eighties, at least in the eighties. Hey, let's get back to football real quick. You guys have a big challenge on your hand offensively with this trio of receivers, the running back. Stop the run first, right? You guys are, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks, but obviously stopping Ezekiel Elliott is probably your pro- number one priority. Oh yeah, no, I think that's kind of our kind of motto each week is try to stop the run and make it make each team one-dimensional um to be able to do that every single week helps us kind of execute um no matter who we're going against and allows us to be um i guess more disguised and overall um stopping those kind of key players especially obviously dallas has a a bunch of um great skill players that if we can kind of make them one-dimensional help us do multiple things to screw them up in in their cup or in their uh game plan blake when you look at your team the obviously your offense is struggling you're not even scoring 12 points a game um defense played well some games certainly sometimes for half last week pretty much for the whole game except for one busted play uh, 17 points is usually enough to win most nfl games especially nowadays so how do is there a danger of a certain fracturing if the defense is playing well and the losses keep coming and your team's not scoring? Now, I know you're a team and you're a team captain, but is it human nature just to look in the mirror sometimes and say, darn it, you know, how many, how few points do we have to give up to win a game here? No, I mean, just like anyone kind of competitive is just going to keep, uh, obviously get frustrated when, when losing happens. Um, but I think overall as a team, that's kind of where – I've been so happy to be a part of this team and kind of made it kind of public knowledge of that was just that the guys that I have around me, um, whether it's on defense or offense, they're, they're always trying to get better. There's no guys that are kind of just complacent with, like you said, scoring 11 points. That's nobody's idea. Nobody planned to have that happen. Um, but every single person understands what needs to be done. Um, the mistakes that have happened throughout the last four weeks. Um, are easily correctable and you can go back through every single play and you're not like okay our team's just really bad or our team can't make these plays it's more just okay well this one guy messed up and then the next play this one guy messed up Um, and so you don't get to that point very easily with us um, where you're kind of starting to point fingers because you know that um, every single guy is going to get to that and you've seen drastic improvement um, over the last four weeks. Blake, be honest. How much do you want to stick it to Mike McCarthy and beat him this weekend? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you want to win. You want to win every game, but it's always it's always a cool moment to be able to go against past coaches, past players, and be able to have that kind of bragging rights after the game. Now, Blake, what you know? You've come to New York. You're in New, you know New York, New Jersey area. You have a family there. And you said you really haven't been able to do anything, right? I mean, you know, most the players, they come to the city and, you know, you played in Green Bay and I've spent some time in Green Bay and, you know, the Italian food you could get in New York and New Jersey is a lot different than the stuff you can get in Green Bay. <laughs> I, I know that for a Very fact, true. okay? I had the worst eggplant Parmesan in my life in Appleton, Wisconsin. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it was rough stuff. I think it was ketchup on that on that piece of uh, yeah, um, probably, um, probably. dry chicken, right? But, so, but you know you know cheese, the deal there. There's only, so, there's only so much cheese curds a man can eat. Um, what are you <laughs> looking true. forward to in New York, in New Jersey, when this darn coronavirus is lifted? Uh, you know, is it going to be a show? Is it going to be a great plate of pasta? Is it going to be... You know, what is it going to be? Because, you know, New York is New York, and you really haven't experienced any of it. No, well, yeah, that's actually the big point. Obviously, my wife was extremely happy to be here because of the amount of things you can do. Um, I think for me, it's probably going to be the shows, the Broadway shows and stuff like that. So me and my wife, 
Um, I actually uh, proposed to her out here um, and had this whole kind of thing set up. And we went to uh, Book of Mormon and School of Rock Broadway shows out here. So that was like one of the kind of more exciting moments for me during that trip. And I'm looking forward to kind of keep diving into different shows. And and also I'm a huge foodie. um, So any really good restaurants out here that start reopening. You're 3-0 and against the Cowboys in Dallas. Did you know that? Yep. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah. You'll be 4-0 after Sunday. What do you see? You've been around greatness at the quarterback position. What do you like about Daniel Jones? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like. I think he's the ultimate competitor. I think no matter any day that you go to work, he's giving 1,000%. There's nothing that guy doesn't want to be good at. Um, and I think it's just slowly kind of getting understanding of situations. Obviously, he has a, a new offensive scheme. Um, we didn't have any preseason games, any OTAs. And overall, like you, you see it so many plays, whether it's in practice or in the game, where you're like, oh, okay, wow. Like, how did he, one, escape that? How did he, two, get a first down? How did he make that throw? Um, how did he see that guy open? Just little things like that that gives you kind of proof of what exactly Daniel Jones is at a quarterback position. Um, and I'm just going to be extremely excited um, once everything starts clicking, one on offense and one for him um, in this offensive scheme. Blake, you got a, a big pay bump coming to New York. Obviously, real estate here, as you can see, is very expensive, much more expensive oh, yeah. than Green Bay. But I'm curious, <laughs> you know, once you get that contract, what would you buy? What was your big first big like monster purchase so actually like i'm very i don't know the best word cheap i guess (laughs) um i guess the best way the easiest way to put it um so like during my rookie contract the only thing i really bought was a like a car that i really wanted which was a tesla and kind of ever since then hadn't really purchased really anything obviously to me um real estate even if i'm i'm renting out here and that's a huge purchase which I was not ready for, but I don't really know what I'd want to exactly buy. I'm like really just a travel person slash, like I said, booty person. Um, so probably this off season, depending on COVID and everything, I'm doing like a really cool trip with my family somewhere. Really fun. A simple man, it seems. So you know, oh, yeah. you know, one, you know, one day you'll enjoy the fruits and labors of New York. You'll get a real chicken and eggplant parm. Uh, yeah, and, finally, finally. Yeah, and see some. And School of Rock was great, and definitely a lot more Broadway shows that you need to see. And we also got to get your, you know, we got to get to your Instagram and Twitter, your your name, kind of. All these underscores are throwing <laughs> me off, man. So uh, get, work on that. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to fix it. It was like I made my Twitter account when I was like in, I think, middle school or freshman year in high school. And then now if I change it, it's just like the biggest hassle in the world. Yeah, well, that well, let's get the Madden rating adjusted first. Get you at least like an yeah, eighty-five. I mean, it's go. just disrespectful, especially a fellow Stanford guy that's in charge of that. Let's make sure that's he gets I'm that. Saying. Correct. I'm like, yeah. how does this work out? Where, where's the love? I mean, the Stanford connection is not there. Um, so we'll yeah. we'll hope that happens over the next week. Maybe we'll hear this and get it done. You know, you know, Blake, you may have to, uh, you know, part with some of that money. You said you're cheap. I prefer the word frugal. You may <laughs> yeah, have to pay, you may have to pay, pay off somebody to get purchase. your rating up. <laughs> Exactly. A little ten thousand right. dollar check. Yeah. Get get up. Gonna, uh, 10 damn, there we go. There we go. I'm starting to get some good ideas from you guys. Lap credits and chain lap credits. And lap credits <laughs> are where it's at. There you go. We're we're helping you out here, Blake, in your first year here in New York. And uh, you know, Giants fans love you. You find the ball. You're a tackling machine. And you know, we want to keep it going and hopefully get a win in Dallas. Good luck on Sunday. And uh, appreciate you coming on Blue Rush. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again. And I'm gonna. 
keep it up, keep up the good work, and we're gonna we're gonna get this thing uh, rolling here soon. That ends episode 42, the Charlie Connolly edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Please give Blue Rush a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write in a nice review. If you don't use Apple, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Steins. We'll be back on Monday following the Giants matchup with the Cowboys. Enjoy the game and stay safe.